This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. A reading from Second Peter. We do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by human will. But men and women, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. The word of the Lord. Okay, let's get honest about this pretty quickly. Uh, when you just heard that story, Jesus, uh, transfigured, uh, dazzling white, Matthew says, face shining like the sun, voice out of a cloud, what, what did that do for you? How, how did you process that? Did, did something in your head say, oh, wow, that's, I wish I would have been there. Or, or maybe it was something like, um, I can't wait till I am there, till I see something like that someday in glory. That's the language we used to use. Or, and I'll suggest more likely, was it, oh yeah, well, that's a cute story. Fairy tale. Bible stuff. See, we modern folk, we have like a big problem when it comes to getting excited about first century supernatural events. And this is what our logic goes something like this. Well, we now, we're, we're like modern people. We understand science now. We have a different way of thinking about things. We've seen it all. There's an explanation to everything. Nothing can shock us. We're savvy consumers. And let, let's talk about it. We, we will argue ourselves silly over some verses in the Bible, over some words in the Bible, but whole events, Bible stuff, fairy tale, and we act like this skepticism is something really new. Um, and in our second reading, Peter reminds us that it has always been around. Uh, here's a guy, Peter, and let me make sure you have that connection. The same Peter that's on the Mount of Transfiguration, that's the Peter who writes that second lesson. It's 30, 40 years later, he's writing to what is now a church, and he's bridging that gap now. And this is the same guy, Peter, who's had this profound, life-changing experience has witnessed all of these things, beginning with the transfiguration of Jesus and ending with Jesus ascending into heaven. He's an eyewitness to what he calls the eternal glory of God. Make sure you get this part. That's a code word, eternal glory of God. That's the same eternal glory that was there at creation. That's the same eternal glory that 
divided the Red Sea. That's the eternal glory of God that led the Israelites through the wilderness. That's the same eternal glory that guided the Magi like a star to the place of the manger. And that is the same eternal glory that we profess is at the center of the very universe. And Peter got to see that. And so did James and John. But Peter got to see it, the very glory of God radiating from the body of Jesus of Nazareth. Shift with me. How do you think people are going to react on Monday when Peter shares that story at the water cooler? I'll tell you how they're going to react. They're going to say he's nuts. They're going to accuse him of embellishment, exaggeration, alternative facts, making up stories just to prove a point. Can you imagine the kind of frustration that Peter's got going on internally right now? When he writes this letter 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, he knows what he saw, he knows what's happened, and people are calling his eyewitness of an account a myth, a cleverly devised myth. Now, people understood myths back in Peter's age every bit as clearly as we do now. Uh, They knew the myths of the Greeks. They knew the myths of the Romans. They knew the myths of Eastern theologies and religions. They knew the myths of Persian astrology. Every culture had its myths. They understood that. There were a lot of gods. There were a pantheon of gods. And they knew that every one of them contained some element of small t truth. And so already we act as if pluralistic culture just happened in the last couple of years. Pluralistic culture, people develop very sophisticated filters when it comes to the myths of other religions. And so, duh, of course, that's the way some people looked at the death and resurrection from the dead of Jesus of Nazareth. Just another myth. And when Peter tells them what he saw with his own eyes, Jesus shining like the sun, they don't take it any more seriously than, than, than we do. Now, be sure there are people who wanted to believe, and there there are people who did. They always have been. They want all the myths to be real. They want glory, 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 glory. I'm fairly convinced that we're the same way. We hunger for glory. We want glorious lives. It's kind of an element of American life. Whatever it is, we just want more of it. Uh, First century kid in Greece dreaming of being Hercules is not much different than a kid today dreaming about being a transformer or Seth Curry or Beyonce, or President Obama, or Rachel Kurtz. <laughs> and it doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really go away. It doesn't go away in our lives. We just want more, more of it. Uh, we don't be smothered in glory. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth, up to our eyeballs. We're conditioned to live for glory. The more glorious your church is, the more people love it. We want to have our socks knocked off every time we walk in this church. We want to be wild, we want to be entertained. Our arts team, it's a burden. I just want you to hear this. It's a burden. We've got an amazing arts team, right? Okay, amazing arts team. How often would you like to hear, what are you doing for us next week? 
we always want more. We want more glory, more having insatiable hunger for glory. And when you are blessed then to have an experience of glory, to have a little awe, a little moment of beauty, a, a little touch, a, a little sunrise, sunset kind of thing, a little water, a little bread, a little wine, our first response is, I want to keep that. I want to own that. I want to capture it like, like a lightning bug in a jar. Look, I got the glory. It's mine. It doesn't work that way. We don't own the glory. We can't even hold on to the glory. So let me say that again, that last little sentence there, because on the Sunday before Lent, four days before Ash Wednesday, we are incapable of even holding on to the glory of God. We live, every one of us, in a cloud. We live in a shadow of sin, and it gets in the way. My own sin clouds me from the glory of God, and my sin clouds you from the glory of God, and your sin clouds me from the glory of God. We are, yes, fearlessly, wondrously, gloriously made, but we're also perishable creatures who are weak and wounded sinners, and any glory that we experience, any glory that we achieve on our own is what the Bible calls a flower quickly fading. A few years ago, Anne and I were in San Diego for our first grandson's baptism. It was a marvelous time. Um, I like to read newspapers everywhere I go, and I particularly like the free ones. <laughs> the newspaper in San Diego, the free one's called the San Diego Reader, and the reason it's free is because like 90% of it is advertising. And of that 90%, half of it is about plastic surgery. I learned more about plastic surgery in one morning than you could possibly ever want to know. Uh, there's an article, which wasn't actually an article, of course. It was fake news. Uh, it was an article about a woman who was 80-something, and she decided, according to her doctor, to have everything redone. Well, that, that intrigued me. It turns out she got everything from lips to tummy to tush. Everything that could be tucked was tucked. And when someone asked her, why did you decide to risk something like this at this point in your life? Her answer was, I just want it all. Wow. I want to translate that for a moment. A moment or two of beauty in this world wasn't enough. She wanted to own the glory. She wanted to wake up every morning by herself and look in the mirror and say, Look at me, glorious. And that is the contrast. That's the contrast between this Sunday up on the mountaintop beholding the very glory of God and then next Sunday when we get together, next Sunday we're going to be in the wilderness. We're going to be down in a valley. And between now and then, we are going to admit to ourselves and to one another and to God that we cannot wow ourselves. We can't create the glory. We can't even hold on to the glory. Maybe for a moment, maybe for a moment, we can say, oh, it's so great to be here right this moment. But not forever. Uh-uh. The glory eventually fades. The smiles sag. Sin collects its wages, and it is not at all glorious. Take it from an old person. Not a person here can keep a lightning bug in a jar. Peter reminded them, and now again today the church in a second reading, that if you want glory, you need to look past yourself and start looking to Jesus. 
He says, we have a prophetic message that is more fully confirmed than the other stories. It's not a myth, he says. Not a myth. It's real. We saw it. We saw it on a mountain. We saw the glory of God. We saw eternal glory, an independent glory, a glory that that doesn't need a facelift. We saw the glory that that doesn't need the next technological breakthrough. We saw the glory that doesn't need a political demagogue or a nationalist myth or the subjugation of anyone anywhere on this earth. A glory that we can't possibly have created on our own in any way, shape, or form. We saw it. We saw it in the face of Jesus, the very glory of God. Listen to how Peter says this. Dave Kuhlman, before service today, said, you know, this is the kind of thing I like to read from the center, and after I read the second lesson, I just want to drop the mic. And it's so true. This is Peter. We weren't following cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus. We were eyewitnesses of the majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. We heard the voice ourselves from heaven. Peter's looking back now, and he's remembering this transfigurative mountaintop glory thing that happened on that mountaintop and... He's remembering that it happened right before Jesus went to Jerusalem to die. You will do well, says Peter, to be attentive to this story. It is as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning rises. Having Rachel here all weekend has been really a great experience for me mostly. Um, most of the meetings I went to, I was like the only man. And most of the meetings I went to, I was the oldest person there. Um, but it was really, really a holy time for me. And I started thinking about how worship has changed in my lifetime. And, I, you know, I'm the product of, of the, the, the Lutheran school thing. Um, and this is what worship looked like when I first became a pastor. We had a hymnal. We used the same liturgy every single week. For some reason, we made a bulletin, which was really kind of stupid, because the book automatically opened to the right page. It just opened. It just folded open to that, that right place. And all we had to do as a pastor, pick a couple hymns, and we just sang the same thing every week. And I, I remember, I graduated in 1978 from seminary in my first parish. Um, I remember the first time I decided I was going to introduce a contemporary song in worship. 1984. It was the first Christian song to be at the top of the pop billboards ever. And I thought that was pretty good. And so I, uh, I typed it out, and I mimeographed it, and I glued it in the back of the hymnal. That was a mistake. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, a lot of you know it. Uh, contemporary songs are just, they're just like hymns. You know, the great ones stick around. That's, that's how that works. This was the song. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You probably know it. I learned this how to do this last night. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One more time. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light. came out of church that day, and Ida Lichtenegger said, I don't think Jesus would have liked that song. (laughs) Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. No, that's not because the Bible glows in the dark. 
And it's, it's not because the Bible's inerrant, only God is inerrant. It's not because King James said so. It's not because the church said so. I'll say it bluntly now. It's not some cleverly devised myth. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path because it bears witness to the glory of Jesus, the glory of God in the world. How many of you have ever been to Mammoth Cave? Any of you have ever been to Mammoth Cave? Lord of Life members, um, Michael and Julie Gee, uh, Brad Gee's sister, are um, park rangers at Mammoth Cave. And that's a real thrill to have park rangers take you down into the cave. It's just really awesome. If you ever get to go, it's worth paying for the extra tour, about 11 bucks to go deep down into the tour. You get down in there, there's a place, they call it the cathedral. They make a big deal about that. It didn't look like a cathedral to me. It just looked like a big hole. And, uh, and then right in the middle of the hole is a big rock, and the person says, and this is the pulpit. No, that's not lost on me, okay. And then a the person said, now, we're going to turn out all the lights. And, um, and I don't like the darkness. Um, and I'm clutching on to Ann and our boys. I really don't like the darkness. You cannot see your hand this close to your face. And then um, Julie, who was leading, she preached uh, probably the shortest sermon I've ever heard. Ladies and gentlemen, please now follow the light. <laughs> In the midst of the darkness of this world, of all the competing mists that are out there, Ladies and gentlemen, please follow the light. I left 15 worship here now, just just a moment. We are, uh, we're going to baptize. Before Paige Anderson's great-grandpa, Herm Kuhlman, Lord of Life member, splashes her and anoints her and blesses her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're going to ask her parents and we're going to ask her sponsors and we're going to ask this whole church, will you help this little girl follow the light? It's a dark world. Will you help her follow the light? And then when we're all done, when she's been baptized, we're going to light a candle. And this part's always kind of weird for me. Uh, we're going to tell her, I'm going to tell her. And remember, she's like eight weeks old, eight weeks, nine weeks, eight weeks old. I'm going to look at her like she's understanding what I'm going to say. And I'm not really talking to her. I'm really talking to all of you. You just get to hear it. And I'm going to say, let your light so shine that they see through your good works the glory of God in the world. It's the last Sunday of Epiphany. We're up on the mountain it really is. It's been an amazing weekend here at Lord of Life Church. Thank you, Rachel, for being with us. We're gathered around the Word and, and both of the sacraments today, which is absolutely glorious. Uh, but we're heading down to the cross. We're heading to Jerusalem. And I don't know whether you've looked out there lately, but the world's pretty dark. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, figuratively, in some cases, literally. We're four days from Ash Wednesday. We're four days from the 40 days. We're four days from immersing ourselves in the story of Jesus. Life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to say it bluntly now. It ain't no cleverly devised myth. It's the light that's shining in the darkness. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Amen.